All right, good deal. Uh, my name is Alan Ostrisky, guys. Thank you so much for being here. We are excited to have you here at Lindsay Lane North. Uh, if you are visiting with us, whether that's online or uh, in person, uh, we have a Connect card for you. If you're here in person, in the bulletin when you came in today, uh, there is a Connect card there, if you will. Uh, look at that, fill that out. Uh, it is exactly what it says it is. It is our connection to you. All right, so please uh, give us some information there that we can follow up with you. If it's your first time here, uh, we ask that you would please uh, see the next steps table. We've got a gift for you. We want to love on you. Uh, not going to embarrass you anyway like that, but we just want to, uh, to be able to love on you. And then we will uh, be following up. Uh, we want to text... Uh, text you, shoot you a message, make sure you know you enjoyed your time with us as well. Uh, and so if you're listening online, that looks like a mobile connect card, a digital connect card. And if you will text North Connect to 31996, uh, you can get access to our connect card and you can communicate with us uh, that way as well. Uh, I am so excited about so many things uh, that are getting back to normal. Uh, child care being one of them, and we're excited about that. Baptisms uh, as well. We just got a lot of things going. We talked about the Lord's Supper uh, last week, um, but God has really impressed upon my heart something that I, I'm just excited to get to share uh, with you guys. I do want to let you know uh, that uh, we are going to be taking, at the end of this service, we are going to be taking a special offering. Now, obviously, offerings look different now than they did back a few months ago. Uh, as you leave today, usually there's the offering bucket on your right. On the left-hand side is going to be another bucket uh, for our Seed the Vision offering. Now, if you remember way back in February, if you were with us over at the gym, we were excited about getting into this building, and so we had a stack capital stewardship campaign uh, to get into this building. So now we are worshiping here, but there is still a lot of things that we need to do as a church and as a facility to get this building and grounds where it needs to be so we can meet the needs of our church and the rest uh, and, and our community as well. So uh, if you had planned to give quarterly, uh, that was an option that we gave you back in February. We want to give you that option. Again, we want to make sure to give you opportunity to do that. So my family will be giving that way, um, but we want to give you the opportunity as well. You can also do it through the text to give option. You can check there that you want to go to Seed the Vision offering or North Building Fund, I think is how it, how it is, it shows on that, and you can give that way as well. But I did want to address that um, just because I know there's been some confusion, and I think part of that money is going to go to fix our AC unit. One of our AC units has to be out. So we apologize for it being a little warm in here, but we will be working on that this week. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter thir- nine, uh, 91, excuse me, Psalms chapter 91. Man, we live in some crazy, crazy days. Uh, and, and, and you walk a line as a pastor between addressing things that happen and beating a dead horse. Okay, I'll just be blunt about it. Um, you, you, you run that risk of, you know, when, we, when COVID first started happening, if I heard a, one series on fear and anxiety, I heard a million, right? That was what we were all preaching and talking about. We ourselves uh, were doing that through the collaboration uh, with all three campuses. We were doing that as well. Um, but uh, the reason being is, is these are tumultuous times. These are really interesting times. We've all seen the memes, right? Right? 
you know, the, the full, the knight in full garb, right, and all of his armor ready for 2020, and then the arrows stuck in the one little slit, like through his eye, like, I'm ready for 2020, and then, you know, there's 2020. Uh, we all have seen those kind of things make light of it, but there is some, there is a lot of stuff that is going on in our day that is anything but restful, anything but peaceful. And so for the next three weeks, um, I want to delve into the text of Psalms 91. Uh, man, it's written in a time and a day when there was some tumultuous things going on. You know, we, we live in Tornado Alley, right? We live, we know that, we know what that means when the tornado sirens go off. We get freaked out when they go off on the middle of a Monday and everything's sunny. Because you're like, what in the world's going on? But they're just testing the bad boys, right? I, I did that. I've done that, right? We know what those mean. We're conditioned uh, to that. But, but storms are reality for people that live in North Alabama, tornadoes specifically. Uh, and so I want to test your knowledge on that today as a means of an introduction to this series as we talk about being safe. Like that is the, the goal as we go through storms and as we go through our life. Like that is the goal for us to, to be Safe. How can we know and be at peace and have safe in testing times? And so here's what I want you to do. We're a little unconventional here. I want everybody to stand up. All right? And now I want you to dance. I'm just kidding. Not, not, we're not that unconventional. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what I want you to do is I am going to give you a little quiz. We're going to see just how well you know about, how much you know about storms. All right, we'll give you a little quiz, and if you're wrong, this is totally the honor system. So if you're playing at home, honor system, okay? If you are wrong, sit down, all right? If you, once you go through these five questions, if you are wrong, go ahead and sit down, okay? And then we'll, we'll, go, through, uh, we'll go through, all right? So here's the first question. This is a true or false, all right? Again, hold it in your mind, the answer, and I'll tell you what the answer is, and, let, and it's Google, so you know it's right, right? All right, number one, every thunderstorm produces lightning. True or false? True or false? Don't say, no, don't talk, don't talk. The answer is true. Every thunderstorm produces lightning. If you did not get that right, go ahead and have a seat. It's okay. It's, everybody got that? Because I didn't, all right? I didn't, but apparently you have to have lightning to have thunder. All right. Number two, I don't know what's going on right now. Number two, <laughs> which is not a way lightning can cause an injury? Number one, a direct strike, or A, a direct strike, B, a side flash, C, reflection, or D, ground current. A, direct strike, B, side flash, C, reflection, or D, ground current. Got the answer? If you had C, remain standing. Reflection. Y'all went ground current, didn't you? You went ground current, didn't you? I did too. I did too. All right, I failed this, by the way. All right, I'm not, a, I'm not as uh, intelligent. We're, we're, see, this is, this is like we're trying to survive in North Alabama. Everybody that's sitting there, y'all look, these are the people that will survive the storms, all right? Number four, no, number three, excuse me. Tornadoes spin clockwise north of the equator and counterclockwise south of the equator. True or false? True or false? 
If you had true, sit down. You are wrong. They do not spin different directions. The way that they spin is to totally determined by the weather. How your toilet, on the other hand, different. All right. <laughs> That's what y'all were thinking, I know. Number four. Which is not something you should do if you are in the path of a tornado in your car. Not something. Three things are viable options. None of them are good, obviously, because you're in your car. This is bad. Uh, three are viable options. One is a very bad idea. All right? A, take shelter under an overpass or bridge. B, lay in a ditch. C, remain in your vehicle. Or D, seek shelter in a sturdy building. All right? Take shelter under an overpass is A. Lay in a ditch is B. Remain in your vehicle is C. And then D is seek shelter. All right, those are, those are your options. Which one is not a good idea? The answer is A. You sit down. You played last, last service. <laughs> a, the answer is A. You are not to take shelter in an, uh, under an overpass. It creates a wind tunnel. Suck you right out. Not a good idea. All right, even though that's how most movies tell you to do it. All right? Not good. By the way, I'm not a meteorologist. If I'm wrong, take it up with Google. All right. Number five. What are your odds of being killed in a tornado or by a tornado? What are your odds of being killed by a tornado? A, one in a million. B, one in five million. C, one in ten million. Or D, one in two million. A, one in a million. B, 1 in 5, C, 1 in, in, 1 in 10, and D, 1 in 2. What are your odds of being killed in a tornado? Got it? I'm telling you. We've got some people that are going to survive this thing. I believe in you. The answer is B, 1 in 5 million. 1 in 5 million. Do we got survivors? Yeah. Oh, did you, did you survive, Lacey? No, no. Amber, you survived? You got, all right, good deal, good deal. Awesome job, awesome job. All right, we got survivors. Open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 91. We live in stormy, tumultuous times. Uh, we live in, in a period of, of life that is crazy, right? The word we continue to hear is unprecedented, Right? unprecedented times. And so, understand the writer of Psalms 91, we don't know exactly what's going on in this time in history. We don't know exactly who the writer is. Many believe it to be David. King David, even though it doesn't say, and a lot of his, his Psalms actually say his name on it, many believe it's David who's writing in a period of time in 2 Samuel chapter 24. Some of the things that are brought up, some of the things that are talked about, um, seem to allude to 2 Samuel chapter 24. And here's what happens in 2 Samuel 24. David gets a little big for his britches, okay? Happens from time to time. Uh, he gets a little proud, and he decides that he wants to see how vast of a kingdom he really has. So he decides to take a census. He wants to know the power that he has, the might that he has as the ruler of the nation of Israel. And so that's what he does. He takes a census, and through that census, he determines his military might and all of that good stuff. The problem is it was done in pride. And so God brings judgment. And God, through Gad the prophet gives him three options. Number one, 
he can have, endure a three-year famine in the entire land of Israel. Three years of famine. Number two, he can uh, be pursued by his enemies, meaning, meaning he fall to his enemies for three solid months. Or behind door number three, he can endure three days of pestilence and disease in Israel. So he chooses the shorter option. Here's what happens. The pestilence comes in and it kills 70,000 people in the nation of Israel. And so Paul is writing in the midst of turmoil, if we believe this to be the time that it was written, and he writes Psalms 91 in the middle of death, in the middle of disease, with the prospects of war, all of these things going on around him. Sounds it's kind of familiar. But through it all, Paul, uh, excuse me, through it all, David focuses on the strength of God, on the power of God to save him. And so the first thing that we see, if we are to endure storms in our life, if we are to endure tumultuous times, whether that's globally, nationally, individually, if we go through these times, the first thing that we need to learn to do is to remain is to remain. Psalms 91, verse 1. Read with me. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Some of the richest theology you will ever see in the Old Testament is found in the first two verses of Psalms 91. As God is identified by Four different names. The first one that we see is the one that dwells in the shelter of the Most High. The word that's used there in the Hebrew is Elyon. El being God, God who is higher. So he is the Most High. He is the God that is higher. Now we understand height. We understand things that are tall. I understand height. Uh, This past weekend we went and hung out at Lake Martin with some friends of ours. And we took the pontoon boat to something called Chimney Rock. Now, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we went to Chimney Rock, and I started climbing up. We were, we were going to jump off of this cliff into the water. Uh, and and there was, we watched a couple people climb all the way to the top and jump off. Man, it was, it was impressive. It didn't look too bad until you start climbing up. Um, and let's just say I got halfway up, and I began to evaluate my circumstances... Uh, and I settled for the affectionately named Chicken Rock, uh, which is right beside Chimney Rock. Um, doesn't go quite as high, like literally half as high. And I was still, still scared out of my gourd. Why? Because it was high, right? We understand height, right? But here's the thing. No matter what we, in our mind, we think of when we think of height as the world measures or things that are difficult to overcome, regardless of what is in your life that you see as insurmountable, we serve a God who is not just a high God. He is the most high God. Whatever there is in your life, whatever height you have to overcome, understand God is higher than that. God is higher than what we face. And I think in our brain we know that. 
But man, when the wind and the rain and the storms of life, when the, when the new diagnoses are, are coming in and, and, and all the things are happening, right? The news reports continue to tick off about the, about the social unrest and all the things. When things continue to go in a direction that we, we don't want it to go in, we're, we tend to lose peace. We begin to look at this thing as, man, this is something that nothing could overcome. But we serve a God who is not just high or higher. He is most high. He is Elyon. He is the God who is above. Whatever there is, He is above it. And so we take confidence in that. And so what does He say? He says, dwell in the shelter of this God who is higher than everything else. The, the word there is literally to sit, right? To sit down, to rest, to literally take yourself and make the decision to remain in the situation that you're in. Now this flies in the face of what we believe as humans, right? When things get uncomfortable, we begin to run, right? When things get uncomfortable or we're like, hey, I've got to, I've got to address this. I've got to handle this. I've got to take care of this. The, the men in the room, we've got to fix it, right? We've got to make the situation better. But instead, the psalmist, of all the power that David had as the king of Israel, of all the power, power he wielded, he surmised... The greatest thing for him to do, to witness the power of God in his life, was to rest, was to sit in the presence of the God who is most high. But he doesn't stop there. He says, those who dwell in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We don't serve a God who is just above, who is just separate, and who is just holy. Now, God is perfectly holy, and He is holy in and of Himself and to Himself, regardless of our interaction with Him. He is holy. We don't just serve a God who's good. Or we don't just serve a God who is great. We serve a God who is good. He is almighty. The word is El Shaddai. He is the God who is mighty. The God who is mightier. We serve a God who is not just high but most high. And we serve a God who's not just mighty. He is most mighty. So whatever there is, whatever stronghold, whatever addiction, whatever thing we face that we just don't have the strength to break free of, God is mightier than that thing. He's mightier. He's greater. And what does the psalmist say? Abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This high God cast a great shadow. And if we will rest in the shadow of El Shaddai and Elyon, if we will rest there, if we will choose, if we will make the conscious choice not to get so caught up in everything that we're doing, right? But just rest in peace knowing that He will supply our needs. He will fight our battles. If we will do that, we will see God's power demonstrated in our life. We will develop a lifestyle. The word abide means to set up residence in, means to live in. If we will make the choice to rest knowing that God is who He is and He is going to do what He said He's going to do and He's going to rescue and He's going to save because it's in His nature, then we will find ourselves living in the power of God. But that, now that, understand, that doesn't mean that if you just read your Bible enough, you're never going to get COVID, okay? 
Don't, don't take what I'm saying out of context here. It doesn't mean that anything bad is going to happen. What it means is if an all-powerful God allows you to go through what you're going through, there's a reason why you're going through it. He's all-powerful. He could stop it. But he didn't. Why? There's a reason. So instead of asking God, why? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Begin, going through, begin asking God, what? What is it do I have, that I have to learn? What is it that you're trying to teach me? If a most high, if we believe that God is most high and he is most powerful, then there's a reason why we go through everything we face. Everything. So literally, this verse can be interpreted, he who sits under the covering of the most high will live with the almighty defending you. That's a pretty spectacular posture to take. Whatever height you have to overcome, he is most high. And whatever might is required, he is almighty. On your notes, our safety is not dependent on our own capability to endure. Our safety as children of God, we are secure in him, not because of anything of ourselves and our capability to endure, but rather our capacity to remain in him. Why do we go through what we, why am I going through, Alan, what I'm going through? I don't have the answer to that. And by the way, this side of glory, I may never have the answer to that. And neither may you. But I can promise you there's a reason. I can promise you God is working things out for your good and for his glory. If we will just remain in him. So the first thing we should do as Children of God, according to this text of scriptures, we, need, we must remain in the storm. Secondly, we must rely. We must learn to rely on him. We see two more words introduced for God. It says, I will say to the Lord in verse 2, I will say to the Lord, the word is Yahweh, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The first word there, Yahweh. We see Yahweh God. Now, here's the thing. The Jews took so seriously this particular name of God that they made up a whole other name to say instead of that. You ever been a kid and like you make up code words, right? And, and, and only you and your friend knew it, right? You, only, you, you, you were the only ones that knew. And so you were communicating almost a whole different language and everybody looked at you like you were crazy, but you knew exactly what they were talking about. That's basically what the Hebrews did for God's name because... Because God's name is holy. And if we, they were to attempt to say the name of God, even in so doing, they could use the name of the Lord in vain. Boy, we have fallen far from what that means in our life. We have fallen far from the respect and the awe that we have for God's name. But this is what they did. This name, Yahweh, is the covenant name of God. When God made covenant with man, he used his name Yahweh. This was, this was uh, talking about his, his holiness and his righteousness. And so when the people of God would respond to him, they knew these were the terms that you had to meet. This was the covenant name of God. I will say to the Lord, I will say to Yahweh, I will say to the God who has made covenant with me. If it's David, we know this is the Davidic covenant. I will say of God who has made covenant with me. What's the covenant? For him, the covenant was the Messiah. 
that God would, that he would be in power, that his line, right, through David, would come the line of the Messiah, the blessing of the Messiah. So he said, I will say of the Lord, I will say of this God of covenant, who's holy and righteous and whose name I better fear and tremble before, I will say to him, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The word that's used there is Elohim. Elohim is the personal name of God. It is the God when God reveals himself to others, when God reveals himself to individuals, to personalize God's name. Think about it. The Most High, the God that is higher than all of your circumstances, the God that as we talked about in our men's Bible study last week, Conrad, the God who literally... Everything that we see, in, in an infinitude of every direction of the known universe, right? The God who just breathed it all because he's over it all, allows us to call him ours. My God. I will say to this covenant God, you are my God. Let us never lose our wonder that God would offer himself to us. He didn't just stay in righteous seclusion, but he came and he suffered and he died for us. He's not just El Shaddai. He's not just El Yon. He's not just Yahweh. He is Elohim. He is our God, he is mine. I am his and he is mine. And through this relationship, we learn to rely. And listen, whoever wrote this, whether it was David or whoever it was, whoever wrote this, they didn't, even, they didn't have a clue. They didn't even understand what we experience. They didn't even have an idea of the presence of God living within us. They were just talking about a God that was beside them, that they would go visit on the days of festival, where God would abide in Jerusalem. They were talking about a place. And yet God has set up residence in us. He is ours. He is within us. And so the idea of taking refuge, I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge and my fortress. The idea of refuge here alludes to the idea of returning, not, not, not just going once, but returning time after time after time. Do you know why people continue to build storm shelters? Mostly because they've seen the destruction of homes that didn't have them. They've heard of lives being crippled because of them or lives being lost without them. But they... The storm shelters have a record of preserving life over and over and over again. Uh, when we built our house, uh, our second house, uh, we built it over near Ardmore, and uh, we were the first house on the street, and we built our house, and everything was good. Uh, then all those storms came through. April 27th and April 28th came through the, in subsequent years, and, man, people started, every home that started being built, every house on our street, there was a little bitty cubby, there was a little bitty cement Room in every one of those houses known as a safe room. Why? Because people need a refuge in storm. 
People need that. We're out of luck. If a storm hits us quick enough, we're, we're in trouble. Right? We were in trouble there. But they had the refuge there. Why? Because it's proven time and time and time again. Why am I telling you in the middle of your greatest despair not to try to fix it yourself, but to fall into the arms of God? Because He's been proven time and time and time again. He is your refuge and He has proven Himself a stronghold. He has proven Himself to be a fortress. That my God, Yahweh God, my God, Elohim God is a fortress for those who will take refuge in Him. All of us have been through trials. Some of us that have gone through significant trials, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you know what it's like to physically not be able to move the next move. That there's no answer. But he's a refuge in times of trouble. There's nothing left in my human capacity to do but to run to God. And if we will, he will prove himself time and time again. Because the understanding is trust is only built through testing. The only way you can trust something is you can be tested. What does every storm shelter do? It's been tested. It's been approved, right? And they show you videos of pelting it with things, right? So I want this because it's going to stand the test of time. It's going to withstand the storms, right? And so, but trust can only be built through testing. And so in order to see the power of God in your life, you have to be willing to remain in Him and rely on Him to actually, to actually move on your behalf. You have to be still. And know that he's God. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. Amazing pastor and writer. He says, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave. To thank the storm that finally runs me into the refuge. That finally takes me where I need to be. So first, we are to remain. Second, we are to rely. Thirdly, and finally, we are to rest. Boy, that sounds crazy. Just, just think about it. That sounds crazy. I mean, I am going through it here. I am being put through the ringer. Nothing is the way I want it to be. So I'll just rest. Conventional wisdom, completely out the window. But listen... To what verse 3 says. For he, meaning Elohim, meaning my God, he will deliver. The word is to snatch away. He will snatch you away from the snare of the fowler. That thing that was meant to snatch you. That thing that was meant to take you away. That thing that was meant to distract you and to move you in a different direction apart from the Lord. He will snatch you away. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find what? Refuge. Refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. He talks about, he addresses two types of pitfalls. I believe, if this was David, I believe he is writing specifically about his life. He had fallen to a snare. What is a snare? A snare is something that is put there by a hunter or by a trapper to trap the animal. To, it, is, it is intentionally designed 
to catch prey. That's what a snare does. And so there are things in our life that are are put there, that the enemy puts in our path intentionally to snare us. He says that God will deliver me from the snare. He will deliver me from the attacks and from the schemes of the enemy. But then he will also deliver me from the pestilence, from the things that those 70,000 Israelites had no control over. He will deliver me. We live in a fallen world. And living in a fallen world means there's fallen consequences. When God, the world is not in the same condition it was in when God looked at it after creation and said, Behold, it's good. See, Genesis 3 happened to the world. Man broke God's law and man broke God's heart. And we sinned and because of that, everything in creation is fallen. So it's not about fixing creation. It's about resting in the one who's over creation. Can I just, can I just really set your mind at ease? Can, can I do that? There are so many things that I face that I feel ill-equipped to handle. So many things. I feel ill-equipped to be the pastor of Lindsay Lane North. I feel ill-equipped to lead a congregation through a COVID, the COVID crisis. I feel ill-equipped to be the spiritual leader for this church body. I feel ill-equipped to be the spiritual leader of my own household. On your notes, you are not equipped to fight your battles. Man, if we would get this as a church, if we would get this, You don't have what it takes. So stop trying to prove to everybody you do. Instead, in humility, run to the tried and true refuge and watch God's power play out in your life. Quit trying to do it on your own. You're not equipped to handle your battles. Why is He my God? Because if he's not my God, I am doomed. I'm doomed. I'm wrecked. I'm without hope. Then the picture that he gives us there is a, a mother bird. When I was a kid, uh, growing up, we raised ducks in our pond. My dad has a little two-acre pond, and we would raise ducklings. Uh, those of you that know me know I'm a duck hunter. Uh, and if you think that's sick... Don't judge me, all right? I ra- we raise ducks. We kill some ducks, but we raise ducks, okay? So, I, I don't, y'all, I don't have to defend myself to y'all, okay? Stop. All right? I, I'm, all I'm saying is, we raise ducks, all right? And here's what you know about a mama duck. If you don't get those ducks early, if you don't get those little ducklings early, and you allow the mom to, like, raise them, everything in the world eats a baby duck. Everything. Right? I mean, the hawk that flies over, guess what? They eat baby ducks. The snapping turtle at the bottom of the lake, guess what? They eat baby ducks. The, the uh, animals that crawl around on the side of the banks of the pond, guess what they eat? Baby ducks. Right? Everything eats baby ducks. If you leave a mother to protect her own, uh, if you leave the, the mother there uh, and, and just to allow the baby ducks, because the ducks are just, there's so many of them, you're doing real good to see three or four baby ducks make it to adulthood. 
I mean, if there's a dozen baby ducks, you're talking about less than a quarter of the ducks that are going to survive. Why? Because a baby duck ain't equipped to fight these battles. And so what does the mother do? The mother gathers the babies, and she covers them. She sits on the nest until they're old enough to defend themselves. She sits on the nest. Why? Because the mama can defend herself. The mama's equipped to handle what's coming. These little baby ducks are not. And I, I swear, in those moments where I feel so hapless and so helpless, it's amazing to experience the wooing of God to your spirit, telling you, hey, you know why you're destroyed out here? Because you're doing it on your own. You're not equipped. Come to me. Jesus' invitations to his disciples was, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest in the middle of turmoil is one of the greatest indicators of what it means to be a child of God. My daddy is stronger than the world's daddy. My daddy will fight my battles for me because I'm not equipped to handle what God has given me. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Learning to remain in Him will time and time again teach us to rely on Christ in every situation so that we can eventually realize that we can find rest in Him. Rest in Him. And so if you're here in this place and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to understand, like that little baby duckling, you are operating outside of God's desire for protection for you. God has called you. God has given His Son to die for you, to bring you in to His family. And so if you're here and you don't have that relationship with Christ, I beg you, in these stormy times, in these crazy times, man, run to Jesus. The Bible says if you would confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've never done that, you've never repented of your sin, you've never begun a relationship with Christ, you've never confessed Him as the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. We've got counselors that are here at the front. If you would, in just a moment, and I call for an invitation, just stand to your feet, come walk these aisles, Grab one of these counselors, talk to them about how they, you can know that you have that relationship with Christ. But don't leave this place without getting that right. Maybe you need to join the fold of what God's doing here at Lindsay Lane North. Maybe God's calling you here. Maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you, just, you don't know what you need. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody. We've got counselors that are waiting. would love to talk to you. Whatever decision you need to make for Jesus, do not leave this moment until it's, ever, until it's everlasting too late. Father, give us boldness and courage now to respond to your invitation. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you're here and you need to make a decision, with every head bowed and eyes still closed, if you need to make a decision, would you just stand to your feet? Would you come find one of these counselors here at the front? Let them talk to you about whatever decision you need to make. If you need to make a decision today, right now, for Christ, would you just stand to your feet? Wherever you are right now, in this moment, nobody's looking around. It's a safe place. Would you just respond? Stand to your feet all across the room. Is there anyone? I'm done playing games. I'm ready. I'm ready to run to the refuge that is God and make Him Elohim, my God. Is that you? Is that you? The second way that I'll call you, I would call you to respond is on that Connect card, if you're here in person, on that Connect card at the very bottom, you can mark if you need to make a decision for Christ, whatever that looks like, you can do that. If you would just communicate that with us, put it in the offering bucket on your way out, we'll follow up with you this week. If you're listening online, that Connect card, 31996 North Connect. If you would, give us your name, number, ways to get in contact with you, and we'll follow up with you. We'd love... For you to make to let us know, make record of what Christ has done in your heart today. Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your word and that it is living and active. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, let us find our rest, not in circumstances. Because God, they're restless times. These are restless times. Let us find it in the peaceful confidence that we have in you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray.